54 of the Radio Impound Podcast, post-Mugen Challenge edition. We made the trip, Jason, out to me. There was a little hiccup here. <laughs> Not little. It was actually a big hiccup. And, uh, yeah, you can go into that. That's uh, pretty exciting because I planned on being there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. But I ended up only going on Sunday. And it wasn't entirely my fault. And it's not your fault either. It's someone else's. Yeah, I mean, I had a, you know, had a flight leaving Orlando, going directly to Harrisburg on Frontier, and they started delaying the flight. It kind of looked like it was going to get canceled, and I didn't want to stay there forever, so I just left and went back to the shop. They said that they would redirect my uh, baggage. You know, they said they'd redirect my baggage back to Orlando. So what I did in the meantime is I booked a Southwest flight and kind of got ready on a Southwest flight for Saturday. And then I drove and and I went through Baltimore instead. So I flew into Baltimore and then I drove to Harrisburg, picked up my bag that was supposed to come back to Orlando, (laughs) then drove to the track on Saturday, caught the second round of qualifying Right. And then uh, got my spot in the Airbnb I had uh, reserved and then got up the next day and main event day on Sunday. So still got to see a lot of the Mugen Challenge, albeit not the not the real social. There's a real social night. Uh, oh, Friday night, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, so we didn't get that. But uh, but other than that, it was it was a, still a good experience. And uh Good event. Yeah, Jason Santos in the chat. He showed up on Saturday looking for us. He was there early Saturday, Jason. Yeah, uh, he messaged me, and I was, like, just flying into Baltimore, and I'm like, <laughs> uh, I'm getting my rental car. <laughs> <laughs> Long story short, it's going to be a while. So. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was it was good. I think he said he got his, his uh, nitro fix in. He was able to see what he wanted to see, and – he headed back, and I got there Saturday, and the guys are doing their qualifying. I was thinking I could have went Saturday then if I knew uh, Santos was going. Then I could have gave him uh, the uh, hot shot, too, that's sitting right over there, and he could have got that ready for me, get it all prepped up for a race. Prepped up for vintage Nats. Yeah. Classic class or whatever it's called. Uh, yeah, there's a vintage. Uh, somebody sent me a link. I think it was Santos or Nick DeVito. Yeah, DeVito sent it to me a link that there's a race in January, like a Tamaya vintage type thing. I didn't know about that. Where I could race the uh, Hot Shot 2. Okay. Yeah. Imagine seeing that, that on the track. Last time it was on the track was 1987. Bringing it back. And, and it still has dirt on it. Bringing it right back. Yeah. So he said he can get it ready. So I could have handed that off to him. Uh, Rob Sturgill's in the chat. Good evening, fellas. Randy Edgar. Good evening, boys. So, yeah, I mean, I, I showed up. So I showed up Sunday. I delivered your Starbucks for you that I got. That was a big deal, really, because, I mean, for me to leave there and try to go somewhere and then come back would have been like 
probably an hour and a half round. Oh, trip. easily. Yeah, easily. So, so yeah, you're texting me in the morning. You're like, get me Starbucks. Yeah, it was, it was good. I mean, you picked that up. You got it done. And, uh, yeah, that was a big yeah. big bonus to the to the day. That was a good time. I mean, um, I, yeah, I wish we could have. Because I had all intentions of being there Friday, Saturday. So, but I figured, well, if Jason's not there, I'm not going to just stand around and everybody's like, hey, what's Scotty doing here? What are you doing here? What are you doing here, bro? Yeah. Hey, Phil, be like, get out of my pits, man. Get, get. get out of here. <laughs> but no, it, we uh, we overall, man, we had a really good, uh, a really good, fun. yeah, yeah, it was a really good fun event, and everything's everything's getting, you know. I just always get all so jacked up after those races, and I'm like, man, eight scale nitro, yeah. Like, I wish I could uh, race them, but there's no way I could, you know, for real. Walking around the hobby shop with you though was so cool. Looking at all the stuff. Yeah, they've expanded um, the, the shop there at LCRC a little bit the last couple of years. Added more RC stuff. Uh, you know, they were really into, I guess, um, power sports is I think maybe the general term. They were doing a lot of that, uh, you know, for quite a while. But it's it's almost gone where it's a, almost more. Well, probably is more of an RC shop and facility than it is any kind of power sports stuff. So um, it's been doing good for them. They've been putting a lot back into their events and, you know, having places uh, for RV setups, you know, for power. And, and um, I think they're, they're doing a good job there and, and they're able to kind of get some of the benefits of that with some good turnout events. You know, they got the, the cancer awareness race, I think is a week or two away. Um, I think it's the same weekend as the world's or the second part of the world's. Yeah. So I think they're expecting another pretty good turnout there. So, uh, Ed's in the chat. I got to meet Ed at LCRC. Um, Zach Ryan saying, do you think eight scale tracks are getting easier? If you look back through some of the, DNC history 10 years ago, they, they seem way more technical with lots of rhythm sections. Not all the jumps are just hit them hard and jump over. Not, oh, wait, I read that wrong. Now all the jumps are just hit them hard and jump over it. I, I would say, I guess, yes and no. I, I think some of these things kind of go in waves. They're a little bit in cycles. Uh, I think I'm trying to remember the, what I'm trying to think about is the last race we had there that uh, this might've been at the fear farm. The one that the, the, the nitro challenge that David Ronafalk won. I remember they had a, a two or three jump section in the front that was double, double, triple or something to that, something like that. Uh, I believe that might have been the last one at the Fear Farm, and then we went to. Obviously, then COVID uh, came. We ended up going to Thunder Alley once, and Thunder Alley just didn't really have the same type of, not really not the same type of space that maybe the the traditional Nitro Challenge locations had. So then we we went back out uh, to the new, you know, Nitro Challenge facilities got out there and 
Yeah, I would say that we haven't had quite as difficult of layouts uh, the past several years. There was the one, I'm trying to think, it's the one where there's the big berm, there's a berm turn in the left side. It was getting all rutted out. And coming out of that, I think it was, maybe there was a double, triple coming out of that. That was that was kind of difficult. Uh, they, they tried the bridge. Uh, you know, they, it seems like the bridge comes back out every <laughs> couple nitro challenges where you or two where they have you have to go under the bridge on one lap and then and then over the the top of it the other lap. So um, I think it comes in cycles. The part that I don't like on these tracks is I don't like when they put whoop sections or a long series of moguls or the offset bumps. I don't like any of that stuff. Like they just had one of those at wicked weekend and it just, it's just total chaos. It's just, to me, it's just not good racing. Um, you know, obviously you have a double, double, triple or many triples. Those are always nice. Um, but just the whoops and the moguls and those things, I think those things are just gimmicks and just, (laughs) You know, you basically take the best drivers and you just make them slow down and and negotiate these little things. And I'd rather rather see it a little faster. But, yeah, I mean, I think, think, uh, you know, it just comes down to what Joey does. I think Joey Joey doesn't draw his tracks out. He doesn't, like, take a piece of paper and draw anything. I think he just does what – Ever he feels motivated to do at that time. So as he's building it. Yeah. He just, he just builds it on the fly. And and I think that, uh, I think that's part of why maybe it, you know, turns out the way they do this year's layout. I mean, I can hardly remember it now, but because we went from the big track to the small track. So we got like one full day of practice on the big track. And I actually thought it was going to be kind of neat. Uh, we were kind of, I remember it was kind of coming around backwards this time from the year before it was kind of in the front stretch. It was going left to right, but you know, there was some, you know, good doubles and triples there. Uh, but then we had to move over to the small track, which was just as much as we can, he could get under that roof to get a full race in, which I actually thought was great. Um, you know, we had to do what he could do and we got away with the race. Silver state, so much of silver state, I think is, I didn't, that track had a lot of elevation this year. He built up the back sections quite a bit. And that that dirt, they have to keep it really wet there. Uh, because of uh, the dust is so bad. I mean, e- even as it is, as as it's wet, it's still pretty dusty and nasty in there. At least from my perspective. I mean, not I'm not racing or driving, but people love it. I mean, obviously, it's the biggest race we had this year. I think. I think they had over a thousand entries there, eleven hundred, eleven fifty, something like that. And uh, as we're <laughs> Obviously, Feelong had an incredible main event, got second, had a Silver State Nitro Challenge. Uh, it was unbelievable. And uh, Marco Garofalo won it there at Silver State. But 
Yeah, that that layout wasn't all that exciting. I think it. I think what ended, what ended up happening there was it kind of just the surface kind of takes over uh, the the nastiness or the rhythm of the track is determined by the surface kind of deteriorating a little bit. Um, I'm trying to think of some other layouts we've had this year. The Roar Nats was kind of cool, albeit that layout was in a little while. But it was interesting. I'd never seen a track incorporate an oval, <laughs> like a dirt oval, into the layout. You kind of Kevin had that set up where he jumped into the to the oval and then ran around part of it. I thought that was kind of neat. That's what we do up here. I've never seen that before. <laughs> I've never uh, never seen that happen before. Um, literally. Um. And so it just kind of comes in cycles. If somebody, if what usually I see happen, if there's some like section that really like gets a lot of uh, video time, people start trying to replicate those into their own tracks. So like if something comes online and like people see like this section that they think is really neat, then all of a sudden like many tracks start trying that on their layouts, but we'll see. Uh, I, I, you know, hopefully we get good weather at Nitro Challenge this year. That kind of determines everything. It's kind of the biggest race of the year in terms of just the feel. The vibe is is amazing there, and uh, it, the, but the weather, the weather got us this year. But maybe it'll be a good one this year or this coming year. Uh, Randy's saying agreed with the whoops. Uh, they're terrible in RC. I know it comes from motocross when the rider can lean back but you can't lean back in an RC car. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree. I mean, that's where they come from and you don't, you don't have a rider on an RC car, so you can't lean back and skim necessarily over the top with your front tires. And all you end up doing is kind of jumping into them and then you kind of go like this and the, it, they're just, to me, they're just dumb. I, I've never gotten it ever since I started racing um, I just, I don't like whoops or mogul, you know, when they put, you know, sometimes they'll call them like elephant turds or moguls where they just got a big round, just a round piece of dirt that's just stuck in sections and they stagger right. it. Horrible. Terrible. Landmines. I've heard them referred to as that. Uh, yeah. Ever since I've been racing, I've never liked any of that stuff. Step downs. Never really liked step downs and 10 scale, two wheel drive. Four wheel drive was okay. Eight scale, I'm sure, is fine, but never been a big fan of step downs, moguls, and whoops. Uh, doubles, triples. I, the thing that I think is underused all the time are tabletops. I never see. Underused. Yeah, we just don't see a lot of tabletops in RC. Maybe it, it requires a ton of dirt. I know that. Uh, trying to make one tabletop, you know, you got to have. But I would say the best track I ever, one of the coolest layouts I ever ran at when I was a kid, I think it was in 1992, we went to RCHR in, uh, I think it was in Costa Mesa or Huntington Beach. I forget where they said it was, uh, but RCHR. But yeah, that track probably had six tabletops on it. And I thought it was just the greatest. Wow. I thought it was like the greatest track. Um you know, today's standards, you'd probably have to change it a little bit. But, I mean, today it's 
in 10 scale, we have some very challenging jumps. It seems like, you know, doubles and triples are very large. We did a so track scales getting harder. Yeah. 10 scale <laughs> is very hard. Um, and uh, we did a track walk at the beginning of this year at SDRC. There was some really tough challenging jumps there. It was one, there was a section of the chicane in front of the driver's stand where uh, we kind of had to, Dakota Finn made like this incredible move on Aiden Horn. And I believe it was the first main. And we were all just kind of shocked watching because it was the last lap. And I didn't think, it just didn't seem possible to do what he did. It was such an amazing jump. And I think pe- there's some people that still don't think that he did it. <laughs> but because what we were trying to decide at the time was, did he cut the track or not when he did it? And, you know, we were, we went through all the replays, all the reviews. We were watching this thing over and over again. And, you know, sure, people are like, oh, yeah, you can see the shadow of his cars. But it's like a shadow is projected. A shadow isn't exactly underneath, uh, depending on how the the lighting is he couldn't really go by that and we kind of came to the conclusion that it was tough to to say that he did not do it correctly and we ended up getting the win there in that first main but Aiden Horn ended up winning I think the A2 and A3 and ended up winning the overall and I think Dakota still got second but yeah I mean I it was an amazing move, but that was a section of the track, the 10 scale, very difficult. Brutal. Yeah. Two wheel drive. It's easy to make a track very difficult for two wheel because you just don't have front brakes. And with four wheel drive, you can get away with a little more with front brakes and eight scale and all this kind of, you know, those races, you can do a lot more with the car, but two wheel drive, you really have to be very precise and, and we'll see that at the Worlds in a couple of weeks. I'm sure that track will be no easy task. Uh, the surface is usually hard for everybody from the get-go. And there's all, you know, they always put some pretty good jumps on there. And they never fill them in. Um, you know, uh, they never fill in the tabletops or fill in the, the jumps there. They never fill in the doubles or the triples. So... If you get it wrong, it's always just a major case. You land, you know, chassis right on that third one or whatever your timing is. It's, so there's just no room for error, and I'm sure it'll, it won't be an easy track. Uh, John Bolton saying, uh, I like whoops. All my tracks had them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, there are a lot of people that do like them. But so, so what do you think of the uh, layout for the Mugen Challenge? Let's see. Thinking back here, you go front straight, top right hand one eighty. You step down. You go into you go into a bowl turn, uh, tight turn, going back up the hill. You jump up top. Then you left hander, jump back down, double apex turn to the right, jump back up on the hill on the left side, big off camber then a double-double, and then a right-hander with offset staggered jumps. Then you make a right-hander back to a left, and then a jump kind of onto a sloped section 
on a bank turn coming around mini chicane on the front straightaway. So, uh, let's see what I liked watching at that track was, um, I think I liked the, you jumped up on the, this is on the left side. You go, after you go in front of the driver's stand, you step up onto the platform on the left. Yeah, I'm trying to find a video here. I can put it. And then you would hit the off camber. I thought that was a neat section, a double, double. Then I liked the whole left, the whole left side. Then you enter the chicane and then kind of from there on out, it was like, eh, um, you know, everybody, you know, going through that bull turn on the right was pretty tight in there. Um, but I really liked the left side. That was really fun to watch. Yeah, Joel, uh, John's saying all about timing and the whoops. Uh, sometimes patience pays off. Video game kids can't do that. Well, I guess I wouldn't be able to do them then, so. Well, what, um, what I don't like about it is if it doesn't have a rhythm to it. Like, it's one thing if you can go in and you can double, triple, double, triple, or some, some combination of jumps. Can you do, you know, so the jumps are spaced so you can, you can make a timing section out of it. If they're not spaced like that and you just drive into them and the car just kind of goes all over the place and doesn't stay straight and one second it goes to the left, the next it goes to the right, I think it just throws off the, the flow. If... That's to me like what I look for is there a nice flow when I'm driving and that makes it fun. And if you can do that in the section, if you can double, triple, you know, there's some kind of rhythm to it. Then I think it's, then it makes it fun. But yeah, if you're just all randomness in there, they've had those at the nitro challenge before. And you just take one of the best, the best guys in the A sort for five minutes and they're going through a section. That's just, you're just going, rrr, 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 rrr. <laughs> Like it's, yeah, I don't get it. So Mugen challenge layout. I liked it. Left side was really cool. Yeah. You got it up here now. Um, this is a uh, courtesy of uh, 46. Um. Yeah, 46RC live, Toby. Met Toby out there. Yeah. Oh, I got the... What am I doing here? Did I lose it? What happened to it? I wanted to put that back up. So, yeah, John Bolton's mess... You know, he's uh, reminding us here that's... He thinks that's how you should build them for RC is where they have timing. You know, double, double, triple, or whatever he's saying whatever he's saying the amount of jumps are kind of determines what you can do. And, uh, yeah. Uh, super cross whoops don't work in RC. Correct. Well, they work with the low C bike. Nope. <laughs> Can't lean the driver back. I think, I think what, uh, you get in with the low C bike is you'll get is it'll do, these kind of jumps really well on a straight line. Like you put it out on this track, that section coming down off the cam the off camber. Well, I don't, for one, I don't think the low C bike would do that off camber turn, but the, uh, anything that's a straight line of jumps, like it actually would 
really kick butt on that stuff. So here's the track layout. That's what I was talking about. Um, let's see who we end up following here just to kind of get to the, the left side. This is the right side of the track. Not really my favorite. This is actually the A main following Adam Drake and Joe Bornhorse there and a few others. But here, here's the part I like. Jump up to the top, off camber, turn there, yeah. right hander, double, roller, double. Here's the staggered jumps. They kind of pick their way through those. And then, so that's what I liked. Here's Ty running through the little bowl, um, kind of coming back here, a little double up. Uh, this part there, jumping up that on that tabletop, that was tough. You could see guys in buggy trying to adjust on that. But yeah, this um, they have an interesting shape track here. So that kind of, I'm not going to say it limits what they can do, but it always gives you different um, different layouts than what a traditional track is. Because this this track layout isn't just a big rectangle out in the field. It kind of has a once you follow over here, it kind of has a smaller end over here, you know, where it kind of pinches off to a little smaller of a tractor on the right yeah, side. Yeah, right there. Yep. And then it, it gets larger uh, in depth in the center and on the left. So it always creates a little bit of a different type of track. They're always kind of working, having to work in that, that side. But they always seem to make them different. They all seem to be just a little bit different. You know, for many years, they used to have their big Daytona turn on the left, I think they called it, which was pretty much a bank turn or big burn. It's still banked over there. Randy's saying that a few years ago, SIC had a really fun eight-pack section. It was four doubles in a row, which, yeah, I've seen some of those. They are... <laughs> I mean, that's incredible amount of... That's sick. Get yeah, in eight scales, it's a it's it's nice. That's nice in eight scale because you have a lot of control over the front end. And two-wheel drive, is, those sections are always really hard because if somebody's in front of you and crashes in front of you, it makes it really difficult to recover. So, yeah... Uh, the TQs, we had uh, Mayfield TQ there at the Mugen Challenge, Truggy, the Truggy class. Ty Tessman TQ'd Nitro Buggy, and Ryan Lutz TQ'd E-Buggy, and they all won their class <laughs> TQ'd. So 45-minute main and buggy, that was good, exciting. And then we had the Truggy main, which was only 25 minutes, but still a good race. It went to the end. Yeah, that, that was awesome. Mayfield and Jared Wiggins went right to the line, practically a couple seconds apart. Uh, the e-buggy race, Ty kind of kept Ryan Lutz pretty in his sights most of the race. Mayfield fell back a couple seconds, but uh, he ended up getting third, Ty second, and then Lutz got a great win in e-buggy. So, yeah, it was uh, each, each driver there, that TQ, got a win. And I know one of the other... Uh, Drivers that was super pumped was Katie Roxbury. She she won her intermediate buggy class. Uh, she was so excited. Uh, drove really well. And so in the background here, you have the pro truggy main going here. But yeah, they kind of have to start uh, in in the bank 
here. And, you know, Ryan's, Ryan's, Ryan's up here out front into the chicane. He's there right at the, the, the tip of the chicane. Yeah, right there. Yep. So we'll down a quiet. And there you go. You can see how dusty the track is here at this point, but it was pretty abrasive. Like it was, we ran blue compound here, which I think we had a few that, um, wish they would have went a little harder for compound, but this is about the heat of the day and track was pretty grooved up. Ryan was pretty, pretty set on running the blues and you know, it worked for him. Uh, he, he actually had to get a little quicker at the end to kind of keep his distance. But, um, I think he only made one mistake. It was kind of a long crash over there on the left side in that berm area. And, he was kind of checking out, carrying a pretty nice lead and kind of made an uncharacteristic mistake off in an area that cost him quite a bit. And he lost a lot of his lead and then he had to kind of earn it there at the end. So, but it still pulled it off. Him and Ryan Lutz had a nice battle early. Yeah, it was fun to be there. Great turnout. I think it was, was a 400 and, 90 entries, something like that. Somewhere in that ballpark. <clears throat> yeah. 220 or 30 people. All uh, I know is I had to park way out there and I th had to take a shuttle bus in. Yeah. It was, it was nice that they <laughs> provided those shuttle buses though. Yeah. I had the Starbucks and your uh, croissant, right? That's right. Your buttered croissant. Mm -hmm. <laughs> had to make the trip all the way. In Timbuktu, I was parked. I was like, dang, there's a lot of people here and RVs everywhere. It's like, it was this packed. race has really grown. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, and you can see they keep investing back into the facility. That's what makes the difference is yeah. they do a good job with the promotion of their own event. They know that it's on them to, to make sure people know it's around and know it's of an event. And they invest back in the facility. They have the hobby shop stocked. It's a it's a program. It's yeah. a program. You know, you have to do it right, and you don't just sit in the hobby store and wait for people to walk in. You have to bring them in there, and that's what's going on here. So, uh, did a good job, and now they move on to their next one. They kind of have a big trophy event like this every I don't know, is it every month and a half or something like that? Um, they have a yeah saying the race is September 14th through the 17th, the race to end cancer. Yeah. And I think what you're going to see there is probably another big, large turnout, especially for, you know, having a, a cause and, you know, obviously a lot of donations going, going back there. So the only thing is that we got the world's going on, so we can't go. But, uh, you know, when I was there, I was actually thinking about, like, man, I kind of want to come back here again, you know? Well, their Halloween race is pretty awesome because they do, like, a Halloween-themed stuff. and that That's a yeah. good idea, yeah. Oh. I can come uh, dress as Chuck Norris. If Ed's uh, <laughs> Chuck Norris. Yeah, uh, what was it again? What's, uh, what's Lone Star? I always want to say Lone Star from uh, Spaceballs. <laughs> yeah, Lone Star. <laughs> Lone Wolf McQuaid is uh, his name was JJ McQuaid in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know if Ed's still in the chat. What's the dates of the Halloween race? 
Because that might be somewhere right around the uh, Monster Truck Worlds. That's right, at RC Madness. Yeah. The, Which, RC, the RCMTC World Finals at RC Madness. Is that a J Concepts event? Is well, no, we, we don't we don't put on the event. We just okay. we are a sponsor, but they have many sponsors each year. Uh, so it's, it's not our event ex- exclusively or anything. It's you know uh, there's the DeFalco brothers actually run that race. They're from New York, and they actually uh, run most of all their events at RC Madness during their season, their monster truck season. And then they, they have a, this finals in October. <clears throat> okay. So is it the, the monster truck race? Is it like what you do that one, you just go up over, over, and it's just a real quick thing. This, this or one, it- they tend to make a little more of a complicated track for the world finals. So they may have like an over under, you never really know what they do, but they'll make up, it'll be a little longer track than usual. So you think I have a lot of fun at that one? I think you will. Because I might uh, pass on the worlds, correct? We were talking about this. so Because mm-hmm. um, it just seems like it's going to be uh, – I'd be in a not, – not that I'd – yeah, who knows. Uh, Ed's, <laughs> Ed's saying the Halloween race is October 20th through the 22nd. So what's the rate? What uh, When's the monster truck race? That sounds like the weekend of – that I'll probably be at our, yeah, that's the same weekend as our NCTS finals. So oh, damn. I'll be at our NCTS finals. Because <laughs> the Halloween race at LCRC is really, really cool from what I was told. I've never been to that one, but uh, yeah, they do some cool things for that. Mm-hmm. And Kevin and Krista always come up with cool ideas. Uh, John Bolton saying, is a McQuaid going to make a return to the program? <laughs> the Halloween edition of the uh, Radio Impound podcast. Uh, we could do that. Jason Jason felt that wasn't one of our best episodes, but when I looked back on it recently, I could have done some things differently where you could have heard me better or you could have heard Michael better. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, but when I looked back at it recently, I was just – and I'm like, dude, this is hilarious, man. Uh, Michael was pure gold on that one. <laughs> John Bolton saying it's a classic for sure. It was. It, I had a ton of fun with that one. A ton. Um, but maybe Michael can get a better microphone. Yeah, it's a maybe, talk JJ. Maybe back. Michael will be back, but I'm not sure about McQuaid. You got to talk JJ back into it. <laughs> Um. So yeah, okay. So the Halloween race is out, out for you. Yep, NCTS finals for me. Hmm. Um, Ed saying the Hayrides, Hayrides Best Pit Award Kids Event Candy in the Pits Everything you can ask for. Yeah, pretty cool. I mean, it's mm. it does sound, sound. Is it a is it a haunted hayride? <laughs> Those are those are always fun. Bartelli from New Jersey saying happy Sunday, guys. Happy Sunday to you. And this is a Sunday edition of the Ripcast. How we all how we all doing? So oh there you can see us right there, Jason. Or you can at least see me. I was standing right there. I think it was both of us there, though. No, but that's pretty cool. So that's the proof. 
we were, yeah, it was proof that I was there right by the driver's stand there. I was standing. And then. Um, yeah. John Bolton saying Michael was afraid of JJ. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> He's a guy that you gotta be afraid of though. Yeah. Still haven't watched that movie. Texas Rangers, man. You don't mess with them. Uh, so going in, yeah, I mean, this is a, the big Sunday main events here at the, the Mugen race. And they had, they started early. Would they start about 7 a.m., I think? Because uh, they, they, they said they were 6 a.m., dude. Was it 6 a.m.? Yeah. Yep. So started early, so I was like, "Damn! By the time I get there, these things are going to be over." But, but we went right up to right till five o'clock, I believe, right on the yeah, dot. That's what they do. You said they they like to set it up so that uh, they they finish at five, so they figure out how many races they have. They determine their finishing at five, and then they work backwards to figure out when they got to start, and that's what they do. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of math involved. Yeah, I mean, they obviously got to get your help when it comes to the math side of it. Not my help. <laughs> I had that all screwed up because I thought my math was all messed up on that. I was like, they'll be done by noon. By I won't even, I'll be there for two hours. <laughs> Jason's like, uh, no, dude, you got to calculate the mains are like 45 minutes. I'm like, oh. <clears throat> so, Kyle, Kyle Chasen checking in here with us. Good to see, uh, good to see oh. you back online, he said. Yeah, Kyle Chasen. Fancy football starting up, Kyle. Going for number eight, Jason. But it, it's been a little bit of a, a break, right? You you haven't won one for a couple of years, right? Right. Yep. Yep. Uh, Kirby hands in the chat, and I guess Kirby's uh, free here. He could have been on the pod. I don't know what he's doing. Uh, Jason's done with lunch, I see. Jason takes late lunches. That's uh we had to wait for him to finish. Uh, don't skip me. I guess whatever that means. Um, Ed says it makes his head hurt figuring out the time schedule there at LCRC. But he, but they always aim for five. So, yeah, I don't know. Like I was kind of like, if I was in that um, Truggy main, I'd have been like a little bummed. I, I guess right. Like, wouldn't you be like? Why can't we run an extra half hour here? Not even a half hour would be. Uh, see, there's my math. I'm all screwed up. I don't know what would have been another getting out of there at five thirty. What would it matter really? Half hour. I don't know. Don't you think like that? Because I was kind of shocked. Like I was like, wait, they cut that. Was it the truggy main that was cut to twenty five minutes? I think yeah, it was twenty five minutes. Uh, I guess the guys don't care, right? They're, they're probably like, oh, great. 25 minutes is awesome. I, I like 30 minutes as the other breakdown. I like 30, 45, and 60, but, you know, they had a reason for it, I think, because... Do you think 60 is too long? I think normally 60 is too long. And the sweet spot you would say is 30, maybe? or I like 45. 45 you like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, but, you know... we. You know, like at the the races where they run semi semifinals and finals, they run the semifinals as thirty minutes alone. Oh wow! Okay, 
Yeah, I didn't see like you know getting out of there at five is their thing, I guess. But you know, five thirty six. You know, and our and our main is doesn't matter really. Feel like that extra fifteen minutes is really just kind of over the top. But I mean, I understand. You know, I understand that they feel that it's it has a little more value. But yeah, I don't know. Seems like you get the same thing done in forty five minutes. The thing that it does is it does change sometimes with pit strategy if you if there's a sixty minute main because those intervals intervals become a little different between pit stops. And sometimes that benefits one person or another by with the 60 minute main, but um, here, yeah, 25 minutes for Truggy. I'd like to, I would have liked to see it 30, not that it really matters, but um, I think 30, I think 30 is a nice number. Uh, So there you go. That extra five minutes, man. I don't know. I do like the fact that they didn't go through the whole driver intro and all the sponsors would have been there forever. Well, that probably adds another hour, you know, like by the time you you think about it, you're telling me there, like that would probably add about an hour. Yeah. It takes a long time to get through all that stuff. And, you know, we, we try to shorten that up at our events too, because the time is valuable when you're there. You know, it's one thing if you got an event where you only have two classes um, and you, you got some time in there to, to get all that done, but you know, in general, let's start racing. Let's get her done. People know who, yeah, they know if you're watching continuously. You kind of know. Sure. If you're a sponsor like us, J concepts, you do like to hear the drivers announced, you know, with your name on there and everything. But, um, uh, sometimes you like to just get the race running. And I guess the other part to that is if you're running well enough during the main and the announcers are doing their job, you get referenced during the race. So, yeah, that's what they were doing. Yeah. So we got Kirby hand saying here, he's going to bring back, uh, or as you get some video of Mayfield coming off the wall. You see that? Wait, what? That was you down there. Take, taking some video of Mayfield getting a pit stop. Oh, I didn't see that. Missed it. Rewinding. Forget it. Um, but yeah, so there's proof I was there. Uh, Kirby's saying, uh, 38, 38 minute a main. It's the new style. There you go. 38. Um, Kyle chasing saying 30 to 45 is the sweet spot. Yeah. I like 45. I just, I like the pits, like the pit strategy. So speaking of like in the pit strategy, there was, uh, was it in the buggy? A mm-hmm. where you guys were talking about it back at Mayfield's pit testman came in early, I guess. Right. At yeah. seven minutes. This was towards the end of the race, right? Yeah, that's right. So what was happening is, is Ryan asked if I could run the, uh, the watch for them. A uh, red da- uh, David Scott is his name. Everyone calls him red. Um, he was running the fuel gun and I was running the stopwatch. And Ryan basically just said that he, he couldn't be on the track past eight minutes. So he needed to be in the pits about seven forty was the right spot for him. And so we were, you know, we were doing all the timing and we were getting them in, uh, every time right about seven forty. and Ty Tessman was using the same exact strategy. So Ryan got accustomed to coming in the same exact lap as Ty. And then when one pit stop from the end, 
uh, Ty came in a lap early and Ryan just kind of followed him in the pits. Cause that's what he had done for the, you know, the first four pit stops or however many there is. So he, he followed him right into the pits and uh, red, you know, we weren't ready to pit Ryan, but he just grabbed the fuel gun. He already had fuel in it and Ryan parked in front of him and a car came through and hit the fuel gun right out of red's hand. The fuel gun just went sliding down pit lane like a hockey puck. Right. And landed right in front of me actually, but I didn't know whose whose gut it was cuz I couldn't see cuz you guys were down at the other end. Yeah. And I see this pit gun just sliding across the pit. It just lands right in front of me, but the guy next to me who was he was um pitting for someone, he quickly grabbed it, but you guys used the bottle then to fill Mayfield's car, right? Yeah. Uh, you didn't um, even wait for it to come back. You just started using the bottle. Yeah. Brian Cotta or um, his brother, one of the two, they handed Red a pit and just a bottle. He's like, hey, I got it right here if you want to fill him with the bottle because the, the fuel gun was gone. So Red fueled him with the pit or the, the bottle, got him back out, still in second place, although he wasn't going to be in contention for the win anymore, you know, at that. At that time, coming in, he he had still had a chance to win the race. He was right on his tail. Yeah, he was having a pretty good run, and but so you think if Mayfield didn't come in, well, obviously none of that would have happened, and it would have been a hell of a race near the end. Well, yeah, it at least would have been competitive right to the the very last lap or two, right. Um, to me, I actually thought that Ryan made a couple too many mistakes in that race. He had about, I think he had about four crashes. And traditionally, if you're going to win one of those mains, you have to really limit it. Like on a track like this, that's somewhat consistent. You know, it's one thing if you're on a track that's just like super bumpy, outrageous. But this track was really consistent for the most part. I mean, you really can't crash more than once um, if you're going to win one of these things. You have to have a pretty good overall run. And I think Ty never got term marshaled. He said he did make a mistake, but he didn't get term marshaled. And I think Ryan had about four crashes. So yeah, if you look, find that part. If you look at the lap times, he was actually a little, I mean, a touch quicker than maybe Ty. And but just the, the mistakes really kind of caught up to him. And then that big thing with the pits just kind of ended any kind of uh, last couple minute run. Uh, Kirby saying Ty trolled Mayfield with that pit stop, which kind of were talking in the pits. Like, did he do that on purpose just to see if Mayfield would follow him? Yeah. I, I mean, the people I talked to say they think that's what he did because they, they knew that or Ty had a headset with his dad so they could talk somewhat privately on the headset and with the rest of it, they, and Ryan wasn't using a headset. So they felt like they could fool them a little bit there. And they did. Um, I mean, if that's actually what they did on purpose, that was pretty smart of them. That was very pretty, pretty savvy. Uh, but you know, I mean, they, they didn't know the gun was going to go flying, but yeah. But you know that you're not ready, right? Um, so, yep. yeah, if they did that on purpose, it was pretty cool, pretty good that they were able to do that. I mean, 
uh, obviously Brian wasn't happy with it, but <laughs> I think if the fuel gun wouldn't have gotten hit. Yeah. So there's Ty in. this is with 14 to go. So this happened um, near the end. Well, there, there I am standing. <laughs> oh, that was Ryan. Then, yeah. So that was the yeah. one. So it's around seven minutes. Yeah. So it's the last stop. We'll keep it on here and just let it roll. But yeah, I mean, at this point, let's see. One, I can't, it's hard to kind of count out the, the lead amount here, but. And it's amazing watching these guys like keep saying it, but the pros like, you know, Mayfield and, um, and some of these guys that are in the back here getting lapped. It's just unreal because they're those guys are fast. It's like Mayfield's just running around lapping them. It's like, dang man. Yeah, I mean, what it just, shows you is there is a pro. There's a pro. There's a legitimate pro. Like, like Jason Treffler's fast, but not fast enough. <laughs> he's he's and, moving and not, over, and not just fast. He's extremely fast. He's one of the better drivers in that region, um, in that area. And, you know, he, his stuff is ready. He knows the game. Uh, he's got the right tires, usually. He's a local uh, – while well, he runs that track. And, you know, when the pro racers on that level show up, they are quicker. And it shows you that there is another level to this that um, is fun to watch uh, because the – not only are they turning quicker laps, but they're doing it with more consistency. So there's Mayfield doing a little, he hit the corner and did a donut. So that kind of, that dropped him a little further back. He's about, um, I would say he's about eight seconds back from Ty here, something like that. Well, something happens here to get closer because I thought when they came into pits, they were right next to each other. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. We'll we'll see it as it starts to happen. But there's Katie. Katie was pitting uh, Jared Wiggins there. Uh, John Bowen saying with zero real spectators, driver sponsors has jumped the shark. The intros. Yeah, there was no point to do all that. You know, it's interesting as a, I'd never even heard of that term jump the shark until a few years ago. And, and then it's in reference to the mo- the show Happy Days, right? Yep. Where Fonzie jumps a shark. Is that what it is? Yep. Yeah. Uh, so they, they basically, it's the idea is that it went too far or something like that. Yeah. That episode was jumping the shark. <laughs> Yeah, so it's always say that in the chat. Jump the shark. You jump the shark with that product. (laughs) (laughs) Past its time. Yeah, so he's saying it's past its time, which, yeah, that makes. So the show might have went on a little too long by the time you jumped the shark, right? Yeah. You really ran out of things at that point. But hey, it's still a happy day. 
That show, I mean, I remember watching that show. I, I was yeah. never really a big fan. Like, it just, it was a little out of my, I guess, generation range. But Yeah, I, I wasn't a fan of it. I remember watching it a little bit. I mean, I think it when it was on, I caught some of it uh, after, you know, whatever. I was, I was watching something after it, I think. So you'd catch, like, the end. So how many minutes we got to go here? Uh, it's at nine fifty. So we got a few more, a few more minutes here. <clears throat> I like how there's kids on the swing set in the background. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they got the play area there. <clears throat> Jump the shark. Yeah, major segue deluxe there. Yeah, we're trying to get to the point where we get to this pit stop here. <clears throat> Nine minutes here. You know, Ryan Lutz was running really good in this, this main two, but he flamed out and he also had uh, – he was really short on his pit stops. Were, he was pitting at like six and a half minutes or something. So uh, it was definitely going to be hard for him to win pitting at six and a half minutes. We got a Taylor DeLosa giving us a shout-out here. Uh, yeah, yeah it, was, it was good. Was Thanks, Jason, for taking all the time to talk tires and everything RC at LCRC with me. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing better than talking about tires. Tires and the racing <laughs> itself is just a lot of fun. With uh, your customers. Yep. It's definitely what it's about. So, And that's the thing. Anytime you need help, you could just uh, contact Jason. And he's always there, right, Jay? That's right. So, uh, I don't know if you want to. We got to be getting about eight minutes here. Uh, we're at seven fifty. Okay, so something's going to be happening here. So, who are we following right now? Um, there's Tessman, right? I think that's Jared no. Begins and Ryan Lutz. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's not testament. Yeah. Hopefully they have it. I didn't uh, watch back. I didn't watch this back. <clears throat> Kids. Yeah, so we'll see where they where they dip in here, but maybe they'll go back up to Ty and Ryan when they do yeah, that. Yeah, so they're falling three and four. And I think Ryan, I think I just saw Ryan in back of Ty. Like a second off, maybe. Right there, they just went past. They should be around there somewhere. Oh, there's the gun. Yeah. So the Ryan's sitting there. They didn't get it. Yeah. There's the fuel bottle. So we got uh, John Bolton asking a question here. I just rewound it here, and this is when. That's seven. Uh, John says, do you see the belted technology from drag tire influencing off-road? Uh, you know, it's tough to say. 
I mean, we have driven some belted off-road tires before. And the thing that I, I, I don't personally like about that idea is I think they're going to wear more and they're going to, there's the fuel gun. And I'm right here. So I wasn't yeah. right in front of it, but yeah, this dude here was standing here. He just went and grabbed it for you. But. <laughs> That's good. I think what would happen is that is the, I think that the cost of the tires would, would jump up another level. They'd be a little harder to get. And I don't know, they might wear a little bit more. That part I'm not 100% sure about, but I, I don't know that, I don't know if that's a great move for us. I think it would be better in general for us to stay away from that a little bit because I think the price would jump up a little bit. And I don't think we would see any increase in certain things that would justify switching over to that. So, you know, and then, uh, yeah, everything could be an advantage. The question is, is it, um, you know, is it worth the price difference? Is it worth um, being, you know, even harder to get, um, there's a lot to it. I don't, I don't know if there is. Yeah. I just don't know if that's the way we should go or not. I had Gil Losey Jr. Tell me one time that at the 97 worlds, which was in Pomona at the ranch pit shop, he, he told me that he thought Masami was running belted tires at the warm up race. Mm. And he thought that, he actually, this is kind of funny. He actually put whoops on the track, like stutter bump things. Uh, they were somewhat small. They weren't like really big. You kind of drove through them fast and the car would kind of, you know, make, you know, rumble through. He said he put those on the track because it would limit Asami from running belt of tires. Um, <laughs> wow. I don't know that that was happening or would have happened, but. Uh, Ed is saying other than that pit stop uh, with the gun flying, Red was doing a great job of pit stops. Ryan stops were faster till then. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, I was watching there. I was looking at my phone, looking at the times. And I want to say like, was it 43s and 44s were fast for the guys doing with a pit stop. And I think Ryan was a little continually, a little quicker um, than the other guys in the pits. And I just kept telling red, I was like, just keep doing what you're doing. I'm like, you don't have to go any faster. I'm like, you're doing good. I'm like, just do the same thing. Cause we're not necessarily going to win this race in the pits. Like, you know, we got to make sure his tank is full and he doesn't run out of fuel. That's the best, you know, best advantage that you could have at that point is just to not have any issues. And uh, obviously we had the, the pit gun or the, the fuel gun got hit, slid down. That was not his fault. So, um, but yeah, I, I thought, I thought he did a great job in the pits. And, you know, my thing is I was just trying to watch to make sure we came in on the right time and just trying to tell, give red updates when that was coming close to happening or, anywhere close. So, so what did you say near that though? Like 
at that seven minute mark when Ty came in, were you did you say like, hey, we're at seven minutes to to Mayfield or Red? Or well, I, you can't. It was hard to talk to Mayfield because you had to yell to him. And yeah, I remember Mayfield saying that he was trying to yell down to you guys or something. Yeah, he said he was yelling a few times down to us, and we didn't. I didn't hear anything until yeah. I until right at the end when he yelled like three or four times that he wanted to do a splash and go just in case his the fuel bottle pit wasn't good. He just wanted to make sure that he still got second, but but it took him. I bet you he had to yell three or four times uh, at the end before we even acknowledge. So that's where it. the headsets is a you know is an advantage. Yeah. Um, um, so oh. is there anything he can program on that radio? Can you program like okay, I want to come in at seven minutes, let's say. What does- probably, let's see. That's the stop and go he did right there. Um, Wait, just, what's this now? So he, when he was yelling down to us at the end that he, that he wanted to come in and just, right. that's, he just did it in red, you know, use the fuel gun, but. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I think in general. Is there a setting on a radio that can give you a little notification that, hey, you're at the six minute mark, seven? You know, maybe, maybe there could be an alarm set that you have on there that it would go off like every seven minutes or something like that. Yeah. So. so- so, but you would probably have to start it somehow at the beginning of the race with a button, and then like every seven minutes. Wow, that's true. Maybe you'd make like a tone. Uh, John's saying there is times on the radio, but you can't hear it. You think it would vibrate though? Because I think uh, the best thing really for him to do is to figure out how to use a headset. Right. You're saying he doesn't like just like the feel of them on him. Yeah, he just doesn't yeah. like having that thing on his head and. But which I mentioned to you, same with me, like for podcasting, I use the earbuds because I can't stand the weight of that headset yeah. on a two, three hour podcast, you know, but. Um, yeah, I, 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 you know, I looked into some other options too for him, but at some point he's just going to have to do it. It's just being in direct communication with your pit guy is an advantage and it's never been shown more as, as an advantage than in that race. Um, I've never seen it play out like that before where essentially, um, I don't know if it was intentional or not. If it was intentional, it was smart on their part, but they, they were kind of, they kind of screwed him. <laughs> I mean, and, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm just saying like, I think they did it on because they saw him come in every single time with them. And they're like, you know what? We're coming in. Let's come in at seven. See what happens. Yeah. I, I think that they were able to do that and it was smart on their part. So, um, and it kind of caught Ryan off of, off guard and it, in turn, it caught the pit crew off guard and weren't a hundred percent ready. And then the fuel gun got hit and the race is over. So, um, I've never seen that happen before. Really? <laughs> like, um, that's why I love nitro though. Pit stops. Yeah, it was cool. It was a great race to be at and to watch. And I think that, you know, for Ryan, he's just going to have to find out a way eventually to, um, to wear that headset in uh, one way or another, because it's, it's a disadvantage if you don't. 
He did wear it this year at the Nitro Challenge because the pit lane wasn't underneath the driver's stand. Oh. They had like the makeshift track and pit lane was on the left side. So he did wear it at Nitro Challenge and he won a race with the headset. So he really just needs to kind of, how do they say it? You just got I'm- you gotta, I mean, you could wear an earbud and just um, you call him. <laughs> I mean, I think I, I think that what I was looking into was what I'd like to have is the pit guy has the headset and the driver has an earbud like you have. Right. And you can at least hear. Um, you can at least hear what's going on. You know, it's kind of like the the uh, secret security, uh, secret service. Secret service, yep. You know, and when I was looking them up online, everything was secret service. Do you want the secret service? And I'm just like, you know, it's obviously the buzz. Jason's word. getting red flagged by the government. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm looking at like secret service, like, you know, head, you know, things for communication. And uh, so, yeah, I think he's just it's something he's going to have to learn how to do. Um, one way or another, get it set up so that it, it it's comfortable for him because you just can't give up that kind of um, you jumble. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, they use uh, earbuds. earbuds. I think the question is: is how do you talk back if you have the earbuds? Is it just an open line of communication between your headset and the earbud, and then? Like, because the way that those headsets work is, you know, I think you can kind of turn them on and off too. Like you, you can flip it up so that it, there's no, uh, you can't. Yeah. I noticed that. Yeah. When the guys flip it up. Yeah. They're really communication cool. Off. They're really actually cool. And well, they must be heavy then. Cause for him not to like that. Because I know, like, the pair I have here for gaming is kind of, you know, they, they try to make them lightweight, but you can still, after a few hours of gaming, you feel that on your head. Now, when I used to wear them for the podcast, same thing. If we did a two, three-hour show, you know, you definitely feel it. So I switched to earbuds because I just don't like the feeling of a headset. You know, if, if John is, you know, he's saying that some are voice-activated, that'd be great. Like, if your pit guy yeah. said... If your pit guy was able to sit, you know, he could have an earbud and on the driver's stand is the pit lane guy has a headset. It would be nice because if he started talking and then it would pick up, that'd be really cool. That's what um, we need. Yeah, John's saying like headsets on gold wings are voice activated. Yeah, that'd be yeah. cool. I bet in the meantime, Mayfield could have an earbud in was this fun? You call him, you got yours in. Yeah, but how does it answer it? Huh? You know what I mean? Like, well, no, you just have you just start the call before the race. Yeah. Yeah, you have a live call. Yeah, and he has his uh, earbuds in, and you got yours in, and you can talk to him that way. You guys discussed it in the pits afterwards. Yeah. Somebody brought it up. You just got to figure out, you just kind of have to figure out a way to do it. I mean, other guys have figured it out, and they are comfortable with it. It's something you're going to have to adapt to because you really can't go without that information. And um, so it is what it is. It is what it is. Uh, chalk one up, chalk up a win, 
for Ty and the headset. Uh, Paul Wynn saying he used them at Wicked also. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's good. I mean, he won a Trey main there. Hopefully he was using them during that. And I, it's, it's, I think he's wearing down a little bit. I think he was initially pretty upset after that race of what was going on. And then when we were kind of explaining it to him and it's like, I mean, what the difficult part to me is when you're down there and you start yelling up to the driver, they don't know what you're yelling up to them for. You know what I'm, you know what I mean? If you, if you're not saying something below the driver's stand for most of the race, like you're staying pretty quiet and then you start yelling up to the driver and he's concentrating on driving. He doesn't know why you're yelling up to him. And then there becomes a part where you have to kind of confirm what you're talking about. And it's really confusing. It really, really is. Well, I would have just gave him updates like six minutes. I would have just been yelling that up. But it's hard to even hear that when you're locked in and you're driving. It's hard to hear who it is. And if that was aimed at you or somebody else, like I've had that happen where you think, <clears throat> you think somebody's talking to you. Like I've been up there before and I'm like, are you talking? I mean, to me? all those guys had headsets on, I think, except Mayfield. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd be like, you'd be the only one yelling up. <laughs> yeah. Um, Paul, Paul Winsane Spencer used to have a spotter, uh, Brent, uh, Brent, right. And Richard, yeah. the pick guy wearing them. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I've seen, Ungaro, I've seen Ungaro do the same thing and, and I, I like that idea. Uh, but the driver has to be willing to hear that type of information while they're driving. Well, Mayfield is willing to, he, he was yelling at to you. <laughs> I need updates. I need updates. Yeah, but uh, oh, that's not legal yeah. to have that many headsets. I guess you can only have two, but oh, okay. Yeah, I I think it's everybody wants updates until you give them too many updates. So, so they, I think I always ask. So they they don't have a uh, you can be in constant communication with them even like uh, there's no rule saying. Well, no, yeah. I guess not. They can't be. No, no, you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can be in constant communication. Um, and uh, you can wear them at the Worlds, too. So if Mar doesn't have any rules against it? No, I think they allowed it. And it, it is a good thing. They, they, I think it's good for the for that racing. And Well, it makes sense to me because, man, it is loud. Yeah, it's... I mean, when people, because the pit guy is concentrated on pitting and watching the car on the track, the driver's concentrating on uh, his driving and, and negotiating, navigating the track. And he, it's, you have to break somebody's concentration to get the communication by yelling. And if you have the headset, you know, when somebody's coming in there and talking to you right in your ear, then it's like, okay, this is pertaining to me. <laughs> This is for me. Right. <laughs> I, um, Randy was asking here besides Ryan if there's anybody else that doesn't like headsets, but I'm trying to think who else. There is a couple of drivers, but I think most people love it because uh, they like that feeling like they're in a 
real race car, right? Like they're like, they like the fact that they're in touch with their, their pit guy. Right. So who makes the headsets? What, how many companies are there? There is several. When I was looking them up one day, uh, there, there definitely is several different ones. I can't remember the name of the one that everybody uses right now, but it's pretty popular. Um, Who the heck was I talking to that wears them in electric? (laughs) Who was that? Oh, really? I forget where that was. People, somebody was using them on the electric track. What would you need them for electric for? I'm just talking to somebody, I guess. There's people were telling me that there's certain drivers that will not shut up when they're driving. Like I've heard like Robert battle talks the entire time. Like who's he talk to this pit guy. Like I'm, I'm talking about like at a nitro race. Oh, at a nitro. The, dri- okay. the driver, the driver, he's, they say he just talks the entire time with the headset. You mean he's not yep. yelling down. He's a- right. Yeah. So he's talking the whole race. I've heard of people doing that. Yeah. Wow. Must be a comfort thing, maybe. I want to say Angaro does a lot of talking too when he's driving. I've never tried it. I, I've never raced with a headset. I kind of want to do it. Uh, I kind of want to do it just so I get an idea of what it feels like. Yeah. Now, uh, Randy's saying EarTech is the headset he uses. I bumped into those the other day on uh, when I was searching, you know, for some of that stuff. So it's not just a, it's not a uh, specific RC company making them. It's just a company that makes headsets for a wide range of things, apparently. Yep. It's got to be a lightweight version out. Because the the one I have for gaming brags that they're lightweight and they are, but after a while you still feel it. But Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I I thought it was a, I thought it's something you just got to get used to doing and you just, you got to, it's just something that's out there. It's an advantage to be doing it, and you gotta gotta commit to it. Yeah. Well, what happens is, is when you commit too late, then all of a sudden you have to play a little bit of catch up. You know, the the guys that jump on it early, they get used to it early, and then it's just like nothing for them. They don't want to do it any other way. I'm sure there's a lot of drivers out there that would really struggle if their headset <laughs> went dead or something. They would like. Mm-hmm. What are they going to do now? They had a good. They got a good setup for their pits there too, don't they? Oh, Mayfield. Well, just you know uh, the guys. Yeah, that, I was in the trailer cooling off. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't think it was going to be that hot because I kept hearing all oh, Sunday's going to be the nicest day. It's going to be like, you know, a little breeze in the air. So I got there. It was brutal. I mean, it it was high eighties. It had to be, and just humid. Right? It was really humid. Well, I mean, not compared to Florida, but yeah. Well, yeah, probably for you it was like a vacation, but yeah. Um, and, uh, that's Red's trailer that we were in. Yep, that's right. Yeah, well, it was nice in there. Yeah, you can see all the drivers battling to be in there. I mean, they, <laughs> <laughs> they got they they're packed in there because it was it, like a fridge. Yeah, they got it. They definitely got it made in there. Yeah, but you know, it's it's good and. You got to be comfortable these days, I guess. Yeah, I can't imagine working outside in uh, in that heat, working on your car. So it is an advantage or nice comfort thing to have for sure. <clears throat> I couldn't believe how big that trailer was too. It was like, you know, 
Yeah, he, he upgraded. His, his old trailer is the one he actually sold to Spencer. Oh, okay. So, so he had a nice trailer before that he definitely wanted to upgrade. So Spencer bought his old trailer and had it hauled to Arizona. Oh, nice. And and then Red got a new one um, and a new truck to tow it, F-350 or 450 or something. He's got some yeah. monster some monster F450 to pull it. So <laughs> watching him back that up and hook it up there at the end. Yeah. It's got, it's got the gooseneck set up. So it had the mounted. Yeah, pretty nice. Absolutely. Pretty nice. There's a lot of money in the pits. A lot of money. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's, you know, that's how these, these things are, you know, it doesn't matter if it's RC or real cars or go karts or whatever. It just, it seems like once you go all in and you have, if you have the resources, you just keep trying to make it more lavish and easier to, you know, to have your cars, uh, your pit space. And I, we, we kind of went through that in the nineties. We didn't have that kind of trailer stuff, but, um, Paul had a trailer that he got from J.R. Mitch in the, in the early nineties. That was really cool. Uh, he used that for a while or it was opposite. Paul had it first then sold it to J.R. I think that's what <laughs> was one or the other. I think Paul might have had it first and then sold it to JR. I can't remember exactly what happened. Anyway, I, I had a trailer also in those days. But what, what I really found that I didn't like is it took me out of all the rest of the racers. So when I was in the trailer, I felt like I didn't really have a, as good a touch what was going on with the track and the other racers. And I felt like it was harder, you know, at the time – I felt it was important to be a little more accessible, I guess you could say. Um, when you're a little more accessible to the other racers, I felt like like I was actually like there a little bit more. Like I, you know, I think to some extent when you have a trailer and air conditioning and you close the door, you're, you're not really in the environment. You're just you're only there for yourself and. You're only there for your own results, your yourself, and if there's somebody pitting with you in the trailer. When you pit outside, you know, maybe under a tent or in sort of a, a common area, I kind of feel like you're much more a part of the event and you're more people talk to you. You get to talk to more people. So I kind of thought that was when I had the trailer back in those days that it was limiting a limiting factor. Um, for that but but you can see what people value these days they want that trailer they want to be inside there they want to be comfortable and concentrate on their racing it's not necessarily about everybody else's racing it's about their racing and they want to make it comfortable and that's what they're doing uh santos is saying i remember when i stopped racing weekly in 01 when I went to a few races between 05 and 07, there were trailers everywhere. Yeah. I mean, he's right. It, uh, people want to bring their, it's like a mobile pit area. You know, they want to bring everything with them. And, and, it, it's, it, it, and you're flexing also. It is easier. It is easier to show up, have your trailer and everything's in there and you just turn on the lights and rock and roll. But uh, Yeah. Uh, there's more of them today. There's no question about it. And it is harder to go see those drivers. Uh, you don't, you sometimes you feel strange about just walking into people's trailers and opening up the door. And uh, so, 
Yeah, it makes it a little more awkward. Let me sit in here, air conditioned. I had no problem. I'm like, I go to Jason. I go, where's Mayfield's uh, trailer at? Let's get in there. Let's get in there quick. Uh, but yeah, I had a great time. Glad I made it out there, and glad you were able to make it out. Um, after that debacle with the frontier, um, and and you got your bag. That was the main thing. The main was thing was perfect. getting your bag, dude. Yeah, uh, it was nice to get the bag and the. I told you it was in Harrisburg. I knew it was going to be there. Yeah, the um, one of the girls uh, working there, uh, she overheard me talking to. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I mean, there was nobody there. Nobody there from. Yeah, Jason Theater. shows up to Harrisburg on Saturday. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, Saturday. And nobody's there at Frontier, right? Yeah, it was just a ghost town in in the, in the airport. There's nobody <laughs> in there. <laughs> and uh, then somebody overheard you. Yeah, they, uh, so they overheard me, and they said, "Hey, I have baggage access. I can get it for you." And they, I handed her my claim ticket. She came out in 30 seconds with my bag. I was like, whoa, this is unbelievable. <laughs> I'm like, no way this happened. But yeah, it worked out. Uh, but it would have been nice if uh, Frontier didn't screw all that up. Because then we would have been there Friday, Saturday, Sunday. No. Uh, hey, Friday, Saturday, Saturday. Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> it's got the, got the new LA night shirt on there, I see. Yeah, went for it. You went for it. I this mean, hey, well, this is while this is a thing, we might as well take advantage of it. And then, <laughs> hey, oh. anything to get you watch wrestling. So, uh, Joey Showers, hello, guys. So, anyway, that was a good time. And, uh, yeah, LCRC, they put on a hell of an event as always. Yeah. So, what were you going to say about the next episode? Um, oh, so well, you got- yeah, we're going to RC Madness for the turf mass, but then the worlds is after that. So, before that, we need to do a a world's preview and maybe sort of a, we could do something on a combo of the turf nats and the world's preview. But again, uh, yeah, you can challenge how to blast. Talk to somebody mentioned, did you talk to anybody or something about the show? Yeah. We ran to a few people that listen to the show and a lot. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's always, cause I don't know. You always think like, you know, how many people really listen and stuff, but you get people to talk to you and they're like, man, I really enjoy it. I listen. Uh, Ed says he's a UPS driver. He listens to it as he's doing his route. Mm-hmm. So, and he hasn't uh, driven his truck off a cliff yet because of us. So. Yeah. He's just like, man, <laughs> these guys, same old rhetoric. RC out of nowhere says, Jason, are you bringing a photographer to the, uh, the turf nets? Yep. Yeah. Hannah will be there. Um, covering the event. I believe we may have Matt Olson there too, doing the live coverage. I know he's, um, he'll probably get there. It's going to be a scramble because he's got to go right back to the worlds after that. And he's traveling with a lot of, I mean, I got to do the same thing, but he travels with a lot of camera equipment. So we'll see how he kind of breaks it up, but yeah, he'll be there running live video. Then Hannah will be there covering the event and photography. So um, same old story for us. Sweet. Hopefully he doesn't fly frontier. Correct. All right, guys. So we'll catch you for two fifty-five next week, right before the turf nationals. And uh, don't forget to head over to jconcepts.net and show them some love, man. You got some new stuff coming out and uh, always updating that page with exciting stuff. Yeah. So two fifty-five. we'll catch you uh, next week and we'll see you then. Thanks everybody. Yeah. Yes. You put it succinctly. 
Suck what? Succinctly, it means perfectly. Oh, yeah. May I do that? 